Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. This is Hamna. And this is Roha. And we've been slacking. <laughs> Major. <laughs> we were on vacation? Excuse yourself? Girl, you were on vacation. You know what I was doing? <laughs> Nothing. Quite literally. No, I hung out with family, so uh, that That's was That's always nice. It was Cozying up in the holidays. Yeah, it was fun. Um, back to what we're doing here. So we actually, the content of this podcast, or this episode, was recorded months ago. <laughs> Quite literally, it was the second session that we recorded, and we've been sitting on it for a very long time because it's a very important topic, and we don't want to mess it up. So we've been uh, struggling through editing it and re-editing it and not liking it. Um, and I think this is our final go at it. So hopefully it turns hopefully. out okay. Um, I was just going to say with a topic like this, it's important that we revise, revise, revise. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, and what we're doing here too. So this episode and the next episode and maybe the third one are all going to be around the same topic of mental health in Desi communities, uh, very specifically Pakistani Muslim communities. Um, just because we're thinking of splitting this episode into two because it's so long. And then we have another one lined up, which is actually with a guest who is a mental health professional. So very excited to release that one as well. We've got some good tidbits of conversation in there. Um, but for this one, Roha, do you want to introduce the song that we opened with today? Yes. So this intro song I find very special. It's one of my favorite tracks. Um, and the sad part is I only heard it last year. Um and I really, really connected with the song when I first heard it. Um, most often when people hear that song, they think it's, I mean, or not think, you know, everyone can interpret music hold however up, they hold want. Hold up, hold up, What is the song called? I was going to introduce it. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, great, she's going off and she's not even going to talk about what the song is. I know, okay. I'm so sorry, song, go back. I'll just kid. ignore me. <laughs> the song was Jalpari by Atif Aslam and when I first heard it I thought uh, that the lyrics um, apart from mermaid folklore they were about uh, someone that just had reached the brink you know there's certain lyrics in there that um, when uh, the artist says so jane do mm -hmm. you know yeah. things like that I just it just really resonated with me and I personally thought it was about someone that was experiencing depression. Mm -hmm. Just because yeah. I think music can identify, you know, um, our daily struggles. And every time I picture this song, I just, I think what I see is just like a certain person that's just about had it. And they're making the decision from that point forward, like to disconnect from the world mm -hmm. um, and just like taking space from them for themselves, which yeah. is like. Which is really, really important. Yeah, that's very true. And it's it's a beautifully sung and beautifully told it's song. It's so gorgeous. The lullaby, the perfect lullaby. So what we're going to be diving into specifically today is mental health in the Daisy community. And this is a very, very big topic. Mm -hmm. Also one that's, I think, of personal interest as well here. Like, mm -hmm. I know I'm super invested in this as somebody that's gone through a significant amount of mental health challenges in the last few years. Um, I think this is something that we need to talk about more. So that's exactly what we're going to do. 
breaking um, the stigma one podcast yeah. at a time <laughs> hells yeah um i want to start exploring this topic by first talking about the lack of awareness and where it comes from mm-hmm. what are your thoughts on that i think we can attribute it to a couple of reasons mm-hmm. um first of all i think we should attribute it to lack of education mm-hmm. straight up um the literacy rate in pakistan is about 58 percent mm-hmm. yeah um and we fact check that oh yeah uh, so you know our sources are correct apa cite that uh we can send that to you but um <laughs> that is a very alarming number are all jokes aside so when you take that into consideration 58 percent um is the literacy rate what is education regarding health in general like and then a topic that is so stigmatized even in the west how is that faring over in pakistan so i think that's one of the really really big reasons for lack of awareness of that subject over there yeah and i think one of the other things that um contributes to the lack of awareness about actual mental health issues is how caught up people there are with superstitions and yeah. uh, what's the word for it Folklore? like super super yeah no supernatural super, things yeah. right also just to interject before we go further into depth of that um i just want to reiterate that these are very much our experiences growing up in a Pakistani household. We're not talking about how Pakistan is like now. We're not talking about certain areas of Pakistan. This is very much of the uh, true of the communities that we grew up in. I don't know if you feel this, but I feel like sometimes parents that immigrate from a certain place, they get stuck in that time frame that they immigrated from. Yes. The country moves on, but they don't. Yes. So when they go visit Pakistan, you know, because we're both talking about Pakistan, Pakistan's moved on. It's that chapter is closed. But like that diaspora identity, again, it's clutched into that exact time frame that those people might have moved. So it's very true. And then that's what we end up yeah, that's learning what we, too, exactly. right? Like you were saying, it's like if that's where our parents are stuck like that's where their mindset is that's what they've taught us and so that's what that's where our perception comes from um but yeah lack of awareness uh i think if we try to put ourselves in our parents positions right Mm -hmm. um you mentioned this point when we were talking earlier you said that it's a luxury to think about mental health yeah so lack of awareness can also be attributed to that sometimes you're just like you're not in the space that you can think about this as an actual issue Uh, in our sad little world um there are certain diseases that get taken care of earlier there are certain diseases that get pushed behind and diseases that affect the poor illnesses that affect the poor are seldom you know looked at Mm -hmm. an illness is only looked at if it starts affecting the people of higher class, right? Um, And mental health, if you look at any research that's being done, it comes hand in hand with low socioeconomic backgrounds, Mm -hmm. poor socioeconomic backgrounds. So, um, but there's no funding allocated over here. Every every time, suppose you take the refugee crisis, Mm -hmm. how much funding is allocated to their mental health? That's very true, right? You're just trying to you're trying to get them stabilized exactly. here. You're trying to get them a house. You're trying to get them shelter. You're trying to get them food and then set them up with a job. And then that's about it. Then you hope that they take care of themselves. But the reality of settling into a new mm-hmm. place, especially as a refugee, so you're not even like 
you know, willfully being like, yay, let's go somewhere. No, your home is being torn apart. So you're forced to go somewhere else. That's a a toll that's not going to fix itself just by getting a new job and a new house somewhere else, right? And also, um, as they see people, uh, there's this thing that we ignore a lot. And I think the partition gets ignored a lot. But imagine the toll that had on people Mm -hmm. there was probably so many cases of ptsd that weren't treated and when you have this thing that's intergenerational trauma how do you deal with that that's true um i read somewhere that like that's passed down right like that yeah that trauma is passed down and i don't know like maybe i should google this you know what maybe i'm not going to go into this because i don't know enough but i did hear about um a study that was done that you know trauma can be passed down i don't know how true that is because you know it was done on holocaust survivors and uh, their next of kin yeah and they basically found that there's this thing called intergenerational trauma and how sometimes when you don't deal with things i guess how you perceive situations affects your next of kin because your memories are altered your Mm -hmm brain chemistry is altered again mm-hmm. i don't want to speak too much into it because um we don't have the paper open right now but mm-hmm. um going back onto so you have this situation that's created right you have um trauma that hasn't been addressed afterwards how do you deal with it right uh people project um anger Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like we see that a lot in the Desi oh, community. Oh yeah, let's talk about let's talk about Desi dads and that whole stereotype of mm-hmm. angry Desi fathers and what's really at the core of that, right? Where is that anger coming from? And um, yeah, you know what? Where is that anger coming from? And I think uh, we have to bring perceptions of masculinity into this too, because mm-hmm. if our fathers our brothers they're going through something you know the men are going through something um it's not encouraged to cry about it's not encouraged to show your feelings so all of these messed up um these feelings get jumbled up and how do they get released into your stereotypical angry they see dad yeah all the yelling all the screaming that comes through it which is really unfortunate mm-hmm. because that's a sign of pain right somebody it, it is, is suffering and it's awful that it manifests that suffering manifests itself in such an awful way uh, where it in turn hurts other people but that whole like hyper masculine culture we've got going on where boys can't cry boys can't share their feelings boys can't even talk about what they're going through mm-hmm. is really messed up and also what kind of relationships do fathers have with their children lol exactly (laughs) Um, really though because um that's a big question there i feel like some people luck out um and can have that but i think it's either one one of two reactions right that they see dad goes lives his life with his dad realizes something is wrong either continues the exact same way or makes an active effort Mm -hmm. and we need to tell people to make an active effort Mm -hmm. because our parents are great people yeah right they're so smart they can get until here and then you have this intergenerational communication gap and when we have things that affect us so deeply something like mental health imagine going to someone where this intergenerational 
um, communication gap exists where there's like trauma being harbored that's being projected you know like something else um, into anger as we mentioned and you tell them hey something's wrong upstairs <laughs> and be like yeah yeah something's wrong upstairs what's like are you crazy mm-hmm. are you pagal like what is this right yeah. it's, it's dismissed yeah or they take it as an insult right like like that's what they would tell you is that you think i'm crazy but it's not like like we need to get rid of that whole like what that this, yeah. this stigma around being First of all, that word crazy in itself is problematic, right? Mm. But the whole, again, the whole stigma around mental health is that the, it, it happens to people and there's nothing wrong with that. You're not choosing to have a mental exactly. health issue. And also, um, I just remembered this. This is so messed up. But in like Pakistani art, mental health illnesses, they're very romanticized. Really? It's Yeah. So if you look at like manto and like if you look at dramas and you mm-hmm. look at the most beautiful way for an artist manto was probably a bad example i haven't watched it but like i feel like his illnesses mental illness is romant- romanticized a lot but i'll fact check on that but additionally there was this drama i watched and there was this actress who was obviously going through depression like in the drama she was playing an actress i think Rasham was playing it and at the end of the drama, drama, she just decides to kill herself. And they don't address the fact that it was depression. That's why she killed herself. It's oh. like, oh, it was the perfect way for an artist to die. What? Exactly. And what? But the thing is, we do that with Van Gogh. We, um, we romanticize shit. his mental illness. You're right. Like, it's not just an Eastern issue. It's a You're very right. much like, oh, my God, you have this. You must have some sort of intellect that is not known to man like, yeah. your wisdom overpowers everything but the thing is an artist's artist's death does not have to be romantic that's true and i think we need to unpack that a lot too yeah can we also talk about ashiki too since we're on that note because that's what that whole goddamn movie is okay yeah this guy has all these obvious signs of depression and suicidal behavior like you know at the end when he like packs up his life and everything i was like oh my god he's gonna kill himself and nobody picks up on it at all and the next thing you know he's dead he's 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 died by suicide sometimes don't pick up on it it's just that you observe people that have committed suicide you replicate their behaviors and you're like oh this is what it is it's just a suicide it's a dramatic way to go but it's like no you unknowingly picked up the steps of depression Mm -hmm. right and I feel like as a community that has so much art associated with mental illness, we are the worst at picking it up. And talking about and it. And talking right? about it. We're awful at talking about it. And like, I think what that ends up, the whole like not talking about it, not addressing it is ultimately just leading to a lack of action, right? Nobody takes any action because you either one don't recognize that there is a mental illness Mm -hmm. there or two if you do recognize it you don't want to address it you don't want to talk about it because you're afraid of what society is going to label you or you've been socialized to hide these sorts of things from other people and next thing you know you know you never end up getting help from a doctor you never go see a psychiatrist a therapist whatever mental health professional can help you out you Mm -hmm. don't end up seeking that help and those issues just like 
fester and get so much worse and everybody has different coping mechanisms right if you're Mm -hmm. lucky if you're the severity of your mental health isn't as bad uh dark humor is your way to go but like i think i i read something about this online it's like oh we talk about mental health a lot right like we're talking Mm -hmm. about right now but are we checking up on people True. Are we asking asking them, hey, are you okay? Beyond the, yes, I'm fine. Hey, how's your soul? How are you doing inside? And I think even we're guilty of that. Not Absolutely. picking up that our friends are going through certain things. That's very true. Um, so it's really easy to sit here and blame socioeconomic factors. Blame the culture that we grew up in. Yes, they're contributing factors. But what's our plan of action now? Mm -hmm. That's true. That's true. That's actually very true. You know what I'm going to do after this? I'm going to follow up on a few people and make sure they're they're all right. Because I'm very grateful for the people that do that to me. And, you know, there's folks that will check up on me once in a while and make sure that I'm doing fine because they're aware of my history of mental Mm -hmm. illness. Um, And that's something that's something that I actually want to delve into a little bit is like personal stories slash stories of people that we know. Um, which is why both of us are so passionate about mm-hmm. this, right? I struggled with depression and anxiety for I don't know how many years, like pretty much since I moved to Canada. You know, you move here, big culture shock, no friends. Next big thing change, you know, big environment, very change. big change, big sunshine change, baby. Yeah. Oh my lord, yes. Oh my god. Um, very true. Um, but yeah, so all of that ends up, you know, putting you in a really, really bad place. So I was depressed pretty much when I moved here, right? And I didn't recognize that mm-hmm. until I was, until I want to say almost a year and a half to two years later mm-hmm. when I started engaging in behaviors that resulted in me harming myself. Mm-hmm. At that point, um, I shared that with a friend and they picked up on it and they're like, okay, there's something seriously wrong here. You need to talk to a health professional about this because this isn't normal. Like this isn't just you being sad all the time. This is a serious problem, right? Um, and it's shitty because then I I'd, I went and talked to the doctor and at that point I was terrified of telling my parents. I was like, I can't tell them, um, you know, I had this perception as like one, they're not going to treat it very seriously. And then two, like, I don't know what they're going to think of me. I, mm-hmm. And also part of me didn't want to hurt them, right? Because, and I, I don't know if it's that like immigrant kids struggled that your parents did so much exactly. for you. Exactly. They sacrificed so much like shit. They, my dad left his entire life behind. He came here so that my siblings and I had a good shot at higher education Mm -hmm. and we did we did get that right I'm in an amazing place now shout out to mom and dad but um I didn't want to hurt them by you know showing them this like weaker side of me almost and um that's a problem in the Desi community where like we can't show weakness but the thing is kids if you're listening vulnerability is a good thing be vulnerable around people you trust let go of yourself a little bit and then come back. Listen Take. to listen to that Brene Brown TED Talk on vulnerability. It will mm-hmm. change your life because it changed mine. Very, very um, good. Yeah, but going back to what I was going through, right? Um, I went to a doctor or I went to, I went to a school nurse. This was back in high school. 
um you know we talked about this and she's like yeah okay like girl you're depressed as hell <laughs> depression was that we don't know her yeah and i was i was surprised i was really surprised to discover that i had a mental illness because i was like oh my god i'm fine like um i'm also somebody that's very good at hiding things uh, that i'm going through right so i'd always put on this really great front um so when i started telling people they almost didn't believe me because they're like oh but you're so happy all the time like bitch i'm just really good at smiling um when it came to the mental health crisis that i was going through um one super good at hiding it right but two when things finally came to light i was terrified to tell my parents for multiple reasons um but you know after speaking to the doctor she's like well you have to you can't just like because a lot of the a lot of the issues where my depression was stemming from was at home and so if I wanted to fix my mental health really I had to be able to have certain conversations with my parents um, and that was terrifying to me so when I initially opened up this dialogue with them right uh, my mom was a very emotional person she just started bawling her eyes out just crying and I was, that kind of scared me and on the flip side my dad just like stone cold and both of them then their go-to was like beta that like I'm not praying enough right and um, this kind of leads into the next topic we wanted to touch on when it comes to mental health in the basic community is that it's so commonly associated with a lack of religiosity and this is something that Roha mentioned earlier as we were chatting and I want to unpack that a little bit because my parents go-to was like oh you just need to pray more and you'll be fine but the fact of the matter is that there are some issues in my life and my social environment that are making me super depressed and that's where the change needs to come from not just you know me praying to god it i I don't think that it does nothing i think there is value in finding that connection with god or whatever higher power you believe in right or don't that's up to you sorry just like piggy backing off of that um if you believe in religion right it's a great source to have it's a great um support system to have but even but religion does not say when you get suppose like a cut on your arm or you have a cold that just pray it away you know you just mm-hmm. you can't pray that thing away you have to um seek the cure yeah and i think that's a theme that keeps coming back in the Desi community. There's no concept of like mental illness as a physical disease. It mm-hmm. is. It's when you know when people say it's all in your head. Yeah. yeah. B. It's not in my knee. <laughs> it's an, it's a neurochemical imbalance. Yeah. That's what it is, and people do not understand that. So, no lack of iman or surplus of iman. I mean, like religion. Uh, by when I say iman, um, is gonna fix an illness in Mm -hmm. your brain absolutely absolutely and i think i personally do find solace in connecting to god but i also believe in medication and in therapy when i told my parents that i was going to go on meds on antidepressants uh, my mom was really scared because she was like like medicines have really bad side effects i'm like yeah but you don't tell me that when i'm taking painkillers for other things right i want to make like a connection and they see parents with mental illness are akin to anti-vaxxers. Oh my god! That's what I realized. Yo, we're on to something here. 
Like, oh, why don't we shame busy parents as much as we shame anti-vaxxers? <laughs> Get your kids help. Oh, my God. Goodness. Um, in all realness, though, um, you know, it, it's a problem that people associate uh, mental mental illness with a lack of faith because mm. somebody could be super connected to God and still be super, super depressed because of their social surroundings and mm-hmm. everything else in their life. And it doesn't mean that, you know, you're a bad Muslim or a bad whatever religion you believe yeah. in. The Go. other thing that bothers me about it, too. I was before we oh. move on. Yeah. But like coming back into Islam, lack of Iman, I feel like or lack of religion or religiosity i shouldn't even ever shouldn't be a concern for desi parents because like suppose you're you grew up in a muslim family there was a time where even the prophet was depressed so Mm -hmm. is that a lack of iman do we do they ever think about that but they don't talk about that they don't people don't people don't talk about this stuff there was a time when even the most pious of people were depressed and the thing is that's not talked about because yeah, nobody don't talk like about talking that. about it. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So go ahead. What were you going to say? Oh, I was going to say the other take that they see parents have on this is that this is a punishment from God. And oh I think God. this this isn't um, this is something that's actually not specific to just mental illness alone. It's it could be related to any negative thing that's happening in your life. They're like, oh, my God, this is a punishment from God because of like something i did or like it's it's like a negative consequences of god's wrath and god's anger and i find that at least in the way religion was taught to me there was a lot of focus on that anger aspect fear of god yeah yeah they just like god they really instilled the fear of god in me but also um you know just that Mm -hmm. like oh my god this must be happening as a punishment of something uh you've done and think about how damaging that is to somebody that's already super depressed in a really dark place wanting to kill themselves and then you tell them oh yeah this is because god is mad at you like (laughs) you don't think that's enough to push somebody over the edge if they're already there definitely um two points come to mind first one being my grade 10 teacher um was talking about mental health one day and then she just looked at us and honestly with the most stern look and honestly somewhat of a sad look in her eyes and she said um this is not verbatim but she goes like if you think people that decide to kill themselves can control it you are completely wrong Mm -hmm. and then that comes back to like scientifically humans are meant to survive you know everything we do is either Mm -hmm. fight or flight yeah so when we go against our the core evolution of what we're meant to do something is really really yeah. wrong yeah. we are not meant to just eject ourselves into the sun man <laughs> like i mean elon musk might disagree with <laughs> <you> <laughs> he's probably building a space shuttle that can protect oh you from God, the elon sun, musk if you do it me i take me first please yo my friend works at tesla isn't that cool that's sick i know I, I don't know why I had to throw that. I'm just, I'm really proud of my friends doing cool things, okay? I'm proud of your friend, too. Can you get some Elon Musk deets? Yo, she gets emails before things are, like, released online. I so. just want to, like, give it, give some tea to TMZ. <laughs> okay, oh my god, we're talking about a serious topic. What is wrong with you? I don't know. I don't know how we got here. Coming back to mental health. Um, oh my god, now I don't know what I was talking about. 
Um, no, you were talking about how humans have an inst instinct to survive. Yeah. So if somebody's trying to kill themselves, that means something is wrong with that picture. Very, that person needs wrong. help. Very, very wrong. Mm -hmm. So, so we have the evolution um, argument. We have a uh, moral argument. Now, what what's left to unpack in terms of they see parents and health and um, mental health? Health is a whole other ball game. That's true. Less oil in your foods, kids. Oh my god. Oh my <laughs> lord. Um, I complain about that a lot, but that's not what we're talking about here right now. Mm -hmm. So, um, going back to issues of mental health, I think, um, one we we've talked a lot about the problems that Ooh. we see right in. I our... just remembered. Sorry. Yeah. Your face is so good at reminding me. Oh, wow. Yeah. Nobody's ever said that to me before. Oh, do you feel special? I do. You should. <laughs> Anyways, um, uh, as I was saying, so we have like kids that are having problems too, right? But a uh, demographic that we forget about is the parents. So what we're seeing in this new age of, you know, um, education about mental health is that a lot of people, though, like the movement is small, we have people that are getting diagnosed at a big age. And what are the challenges that come with that? Diagnosing people in their 40s, 50s, 60s. I've even heard of a diagnosis at the age of 70. Oh, wow. So how, what do we do when we come to that point, right? So we have, like, the kids who are suffering in teen angst, plus with their mental health being shit because, I'm sorry, <laughs> that's a bad word. <laughs> on air. Um, yeah, right? So we have yeah. that crisis to deal mm -hmm. with. We also have parents realizing that, oh, my God, something is wrong, right? So mm -hmm. they're going to the doctor as well. Um, how do we come to terms with that, right? So I think that's a good segue into what you were going to say. We have our problems. Mm -hmm. What are our solutions? What yeah. do we do? Yeah. Um, you know, there's the question of, okay, um, I'm going to go off on a little bit of a tangent here, but... Um, I work I work in experiential education, okay? And one of the keys to it is reflection, reflecting on what you've learned. And one of like the big reflection models or whatever it's called um, is the what, so what, now what model is that you, you, you experience something, which is the what. Um, and then there's a so what, so like, so what did you learn from it, you know? Um, and then the last question is now what? What are you going to do about it? And I think we've done a lot of like talking about what the issue is here, what it results in, what the problems are. Um, how do we move forward from that? Now what? How do we move forward from that, Hamna? Um, I think one of the things is having being being brave enough to have these conversations with the people around us. I think change yeah. starts at home, right? And that's such a stereotypical thing to say. But for me, at least, that's how... Um, that's how change happened. That's how I got better. And that's how I'm in such a good place right now yeah. is that when initially, yeah, my parents didn't really understand what I was going through and they were scared and I was scared. But the one thing I will forever be really, really grateful for is that they changed. And I really didn't think that was going to happen. Like at their age, when they're so dead set in their views of the world they recognized that, you know what, there were some serious problems that were going on in our house and they made some changes that really set me on the trajectory to getting better. Mm -hmm. um, it also changed our relationship, which went from being super, super damaged and like non-existent slash super fake where it did exist to 
us being able to have open and honest conversations about what the problems in our relationship were and how we were going to fix them. And it was so scary for me to open up to them and talk about this stuff. Like, it's weird. Like, I'm clenching my arms right now as I'm talking about this because of how intense that experience was. Um, but once I did talk to them and, you know, I had to chip away at them a little bit, they eventually saw that this was something that was a real problem. Mm -hmm. And they, you know, they, they put in the effort and they made that change. And I think we we have to be able to talk to the people we love about these issues and bring them up. Yeah, um, I really like what you said about open and honest conversation because I don't know if we talked about this here, but how good are we if we're just sitting here with a recording mic and be like, hey, we can talk about mental health, yay. But are we checking in on our friends? Are we checking you in on our this, loved ones? Yeah. Um, how are we checking in on them, right? Are we providing them resources? Are we patient with them? Mm -hmm. Sometimes... You know what? If you look up the symptoms and you think one of your friends or family members is struggling with something, it's not a walk in the park. It's not an hour-long conversation. Sometimes it takes a week. Sometimes it takes a year to convince someone because you can't erase an entire lifetime of learning in a few seconds, in mm -hmm. a few minutes, in yeah. a few hours. So we have to be patient with ourselves, with people around us, and that is the only way we can make change in our communities. Yeah. Also, like, recognize that it's scary, right? Like, somebody, your friend comes up to you and, and says, like, I think you might have bad mental health. I think you need to seek help. That's a scary recognition. And, like, for somebody that thinks they're completely fine, you're rocking their world in a bad way. So not everyone's going to be super open to it and be like, yay, let's go to therapy. No, like, no. shit, that's a really difficult realization. I've been in certain situations recently where I've had to talk to a couple of people. And I think the best way to approach this is never, ever going like, I think you have depression. Yeah. <laughs> Please don't <laughs> do that. Um, ease them into it. Be like, hey, um, are you sleeping okay? Mm -hmm. Are you productive? How are your days? I got my stomach just crumbled. That was so weird. You know, I'm hungry. I'm so, me too. Okay. We're going we're gonna to wrap this up, guys. Yeah, we're going to wrap this up soon. But, like, ask them how their sleep is, how their productivity is. Um, Honestly, have a good, deep conversation with them. Because the thing is, mental illness just doesn't just compose of uh, depression and anxiety. Those are perhaps the most common ones. But there's mm -hmm. just so many out there, right? Yeah. Um, And... I think that's as much as we can do at an individual level, mm -hmm. but at a community level, at a municipal level, we need better policies. Oh, we yeah. need better university policies because the thing is mental health help is not accessible to everybody. Mm -hmm. And we need to recognize that um, we are very lucky people that we are able to recognize this issue. I think um, the fact that we can even talk about it so openly is a luxury in itself. It really right? is. Yeah. So having accessible spaces in our community, especially the Desi community, where we can ease people into this conversation is very, very important. And I think that's a conversation you and I need to have on the side as well. Mm -hmm. And we'll keep you guys updated on how do we let our community know that, you know what, this is something we need to address. Yeah. Um, you know, you talked about 
addressing this and like talking about um, mental health concerns in a gentle way with people. One of the other things I think is equally important to do is to call people out on their bullshit. Okay. Yes. So. Um, 110%. Yeah. Like I've shared about my personal history with it. I still have people that will straight up laugh at me if I talk about my mental health history because they don't believe it was real. Like, yeah. Okay. So me trying to kill myself a couple times wasn't real. Yeah. That's real funny. Right. Um, and so I'm at a point where I'm kind of done taking people's shit about it. Mm-hmm. So if they have the audacity to laugh at it, I will have the audacity to call them out on it because it's it's not okay, right? If I don't call them out on it, that means there's younger people around me that will listen and think that it's okay to mm-hmm. say hurtful things like that and that it's okay to dismiss issues of mental illness as a joke. And so at some there's... You know, at some point, even if these are people close to you, these are your loved ones, it doesn't matter. You have to be willing to really call out the people around yeah. you. And I think also, we didn't touch on this before, but I just remembered this. My assignment is coming back to me. <laughs> but we're seeing a higher prevalence of mental health issues in today's mm-hmm. society. So, you know, when people were like, oh, this wasn't prevalent back then. Um, what's the issue now? Um, we live in a time of instant gratification. You go on your phone, you receive those likes, instant, instant, instant. That dopamine rush, instant, right? Mm -hmm. So you become, I forget what's the neuroscientific terminology for this, but you become accustomed to that. Mm -hmm. And when you stop receiving that instant gratification, you go through periods of loneliness, it hits you even harder. That's very true. Um, People are a lot. I'm hearing, I'm seeing a lot of these like reports on, not reports, sorry, articles on about how Instagram is really bad for your health. And Instagram a lot of like is bad. Gen a lot of Z this people are quitting Instagram because of how bad it is for their mental health and stuff. The dopamine rush is insane, right? Mm-hmm. People go on apps for gratification purposes yeah. only sometimes. Right, swipe left, swipe right. How many people can you match with? Mm -hmm. Right, even just that in itself, we live in a very, very selfish society because we are seeing individuation a lot. We're moving away from this collective society. And the thing is, it's not necessarily a bad thing, but we need to have contingency measures in place. Mm -hmm. What do we do when we isolate people? Yeah. Right, and um, coming back to mental health in the basic community you are i think we forget the effects of migration when you come from a hot tropical climate you and you move to another one right when a new species is introduced to an eco another ecosystem change is gonna happen and i mean i'm not calling us different species (laughs) but we live in different places right yeah change is gonna happen and um you either adapt to it or your body reacts to it. And I think that's what's happening in our communities as well. That's very true, actually. I don't, it's funny because this is something that I never thought about, but I grew up in a goddamn desert. So, um, you know, even now, I am a much better person in the summertime. I love it when the sun is out. Give me all the sunshine exactly. you can. Because the second the skies are gray, like I know my mood hits a low. Mm-hmm. You know, as soon as it starts getting colder and I start getting more and more miserable. Girl, these parts were assembled in a tropical country and I was exported <laughs> out. This is not fair to me. I talk a lot about like moving away from Canada at some point and I really have to get on Let's it. Let's do it together. I love you, Canada, but it's too goddamn cold here for me. So cold. Your Vancouver's nice. 
No, I'm talking about like another country altogether. I can't do it. Like it's still too cold. What are we thinking? So want tropical. to include myself in this. Uh, I'm sorry. This is a solo venture. Oh my Stop god! Stop trying to. I hate you. You know what? I'm just gonna move <laughs> to Lahore because I have claim to it. And what do you have claim to? Karachi. Oh my god! Go to Clifton Hill. I don't care. No, that's Niagara Falls. <laughs> Clifton <laughs> Beach. <laughs> Damn. Oh my god! I don't know Karachi. I'm not from the south, bro. Yo, I haven't been to Karachi in so long. Last time I went was like 2012, and it was during election season, so I basically didn't leave the house. Uh, can we talk about your traumatic experiences, Karachi, in Karachi some other time? Yes, we need to. We need to go on a whole entire episode on that because, boy, has it been insane. <laughs> oh my god, I was gonna say something, but I'm just gonna add my laugh into that. Okay, not that appropriate works. for radio. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> that's fair um but yeah uh going back to going back to the now what piece right going back to mm-hmm. taking action uh we've talked about having conversations with people being open calling people out when you need to um and then i think some of this some of the responsibility i think does lie on community leaders people that mm-hmm. um you know, to some in let's say the Muslim community, for instance, people that are imams, people that give Friday sermons, yeah. um, they need to start talking we about need, these we things. Need masjid counselors is what we need. Yes, we need so many initiatives in the communities because the thing is, you have people that only listen in, listen to a certain type mm-hmm. of you know expert, and if we can't get through to them, we need to get the message to them somehow yeah right and also like if you are if at an individual level let's say we are having all these conversations and we're talking to people about it and somebody comes to this realization on their own that they need help and then suddenly they don't have anywhere to go to for help we need accessible yeah help too yeah right because it's not easy to call your help your nearest helpline it's not easy to go to the doctor right the hardest challenge in mental health I find is the first step. Yeah. And I think that's good for, that's true for any challenges yeah. that just, you know, first of all, accepting the fact mm-hmm. that there may be something wrong and then getting up and doing something about it. And then the shitty thing is that for a lot of people, when they do take that first step, it doesn't work out because let's say, um, you know, you're somebody that's an immigrant to this country. If you spend your first five sessions with the counselor unpacking all the cultural nuances that are associated mm-hmm. with your mental illness and the trauma you've been through, like that shit is exhausting, man. That's why, like at this point, I stopped going to therapy because every single time I switched therapists, it was like, okay, here we go again, back to square one. I have to explain my entire cultural context, all the history, everything for them to be able to grasp the shit that I was dealing with and I just got tired of it like what we're saying is we need more Muslim slash Desi counselors stop becoming doctors kids yeah please, please. we don't <laughs> need no more goddamn doctors man there's plenty be- plenty of people oh, if, doing I that we need psychiatrists yeah yeah psychiatrists. see you want to go to med school go to go into psychiatry please go into psychiatry do what I couldn't <laughs> screw you MCAT oh my god <laughs> PTSD. I know. God, I hated that test. Um, no, but on a very real sense, right? If you're a parent and um your child is exploring exploring their career options, tell them about the social sciences. Getting an undergrad in psychology is, I think, a pretty great move. 
And um, it's so important that people from our community go into this field because the thing is, suppose you go into research, that's important. When we have researchers of our community, we have research being done in our communities. We can identify the gaps. We can identify what we need to do. I know. I have a I have a friend that is a counselor and she works in a different city and literally just for selfish reasons, I am consistently trying to get her to open up a practice here so that I have a Muslim woman of color that's a therapist that I can go to because literally nobody like that exists right here. And that's a real problem. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's really important that we, you know, diversify and we try to go into these professions because there is so much value in it. So just to wrap up what we've talked about today, I think we've kind of solidified what we're going to be naming this podcast and we've decided on after the storm because you know what? We talk about things that are happening, um, bad things may happen. We want to figure out what to do with it. But just to remind us and remind you guys that after the storm, there is sunshine, there is a rainbow and as cheesy as it sounds it's another day and we can move forward together shout out to hassan pie peace <laughs>